The Affordable Care Act helped expand access to birth control by requiring that health insurers cover women's preventive health services, including all birth control methods approved by the Food and Drug Administration. But with some states choosing not to expand Medicaid and others increasingly restricting funding for women's health centers, improved access has not been universal. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Cecile Richards, President of Planned Parenthood Federation of America and Planned Parenthood Action Fund. Ms. Richards has written a perspective article about women's access to birth control in the United States. Ms. Richards, you write in your article that long-acting reversible contraceptives have been most effective in reducing the rate of unintended pregnancy. So why have these methods been so slow to catch on in the United States? Well, thanks for having me on, and I'm glad you're talking about this topic because what we're seeing at Planned Parenthood across the country is actually a growing interest in adoption of longer-acting methods, which we know are more effective in preventing unintended pregnancy. I think there's just been decades of a lack of education and really an awareness of the options for birth control, but we're finding, particularly now I think that there are more options for long-acting methods that when women are completely informed about their options, and particularly when there's no cost involved, and of course that's one of the most important benefits under the Affordable Care Act, if women can freely choose without worrying about the cost, they often choose long-acting methods. Besides the decision by some states not to expand Medicaid, what barriers still prevent low-income women from obtaining the birth control method that they choose, given the implementation of ACA? Well, again, that's a fairly recent adoption of the fact that the birth control benefit came into being under the ACA, there's still a lot of folks that aren't even aware of their rights, their ability to get long-acting methods. And frankly, there are a lot of places that women go to for healthcare where they literally may not even stock all the methods. They may not be educated about the methods as providers. And so I think there's a lot we have to do to mainstream long-acting methods of contraception in the medical community. We're really proud at Planned Parenthood of working hard to push early adoption of new methods, new kinds of birth control As I know you probably are aware, there was recently a new form of IUD that was approved by the FDA for three-year usage that's very affordable. We've trained Planned Parenthood clinicians all across the country in how to use it, but sometimes it just takes a bit for the medical community to catch up with new methods when they are introduced. In your article, you talk about Texas, which cut Planned Parenthood health centers from its public family planning program in 2013. How was that decision justified, and how has it affected the availability of birth control for women in Texas? It wasn't justified in any way other than the state of Texas wants to end access in general terms. Say the governor wanted to, and some members of the state legislature wanted to end access to safe and legal abortion in the state, and the way they thought they could do that was by ending access to Planned Parenthood. Unfortunately, what's happened, there are many things that have happened in Texas, but when politicians blocked access to care at Planned Parenthood, it led to a 35% decline in women using the most effective methods of birth control. And there has been a very noticeable spike in births among women who had previously used methods like injectable contraceptions that they could get at Planned Parenthood. And research attribute that rise in, in births and unintended pregnancies to that ban It's pretty incredible to see how quickly, when people are put, I think, their own politics ahead of women's health, how quickly there is an impact on populations of these states. 
And I think Texas is certainly a cautionary tale for anyone who is maintaining that you can cut Planned Parenthood out of the family planning system in a state and there will be no other impact or that women will be able to go other places. What we found in Texas is, in fact, it's very hard for women to have other options certainly other options that are affordable, or in many cases, for women on Medicaid. And if they're trying to get a birth control appointment, you usually don't want to wait two or three months. But in many states, that, in fact, is the case. We know from years of research and just experience that most women become pregnant when they aren't intending to be or don't want to be when they're in between birth control. And that is a very real problem, and it shouldn't be a problem in the 21st century. Looking at the other end of the spectrum, have any states taken measures beyond those required by the ACA to increase women's access to birth control? That's a very good question, and I don't know the answer to that since every single state, as we know, the ACA was a national bill, but in fact, adoption has differed state by state. I think there are some states probably who have always done a better job, and certainly we've had states where they made contraceptive equity, as we called it, something that they championed and undertook earlier. But this is the first time under the Women's Preventive Health Care Benefit, and it took a long, long time. This was not just a given, but the decision to actually cover birth control for all women who are insured in America, no matter where they work, it's had a dramatic impact. And I don't have the latest figures or more recent figures, but the first year alone, women in America saved $1.4 billion more on birth control pills than they did before this benefit came into effect. 55 million women, it's estimated, are now eligible for no-cost birth control, or what we call birth control without a copay. And so I think that as we see the benefit coming online for so many women, there's a huge public education need to make sure that both providers, insurance companies, insurance plans, employers, as well as consumers are aware that this is a benefit that they can get. Given that there's evident public support for increased access to birth control, why is it such a heated issue among politicians? If I could answer that, I would be the happiest woman in America because it is absolutely a total mystery to me. Birth control has been revolutionary for women and society, and it has allowed women to finish school, allowed women to participate in the workforce. Now, women are half of the undergraduate students in America and are in every single field. And it really would not have been possible without the ability to plan their families. And as we know, if women are healthy, families are healthy, and society is healthy. So I really think it's, I think the political attacks on whether it's denying women and young people and families the ability to go to Planned Parenthood for care, or more broadly, attacking the idea that birth control should be covered in insurance plans is extremely unpopular. And I think that certainly we've seen that when voters have the chance to voice their opinion, there is overwhelming support in the U.S. for access to birth control. And that's not just by women. That's men as well. No one is interested in increasing unintended pregnancy. And I think one of the things I'd love to at least educate folks on if they're not already aware is that we are now at a 40-year low in America for teen pregnancy. This is very exciting for us at Planned Parenthood. It feels like we're finally turning the corner on one of the most intractable problems. There's so much more we have to do. But if we could actually ensure that all young people are aware of, get good sex education that is medically accurate and have access to family planning services, we could reduce teen pregnancy even further. And what a fantastic thing to think that 
every young woman would be able to finish high school if she wanted to and actually finish college as well. I just think that I wish we could take politics out of these issues and link arms in America to say, let's make unintended pregnancy a thing of the past. You talk in your article about online health services as one way to expand women's access to birth control. What would services like that look like, and what are the barriers to making them happen? We're very excited about this opportunity to provide online care. And in Planned Parenthood, in several states, we're already making it possible to get birth control and also sexually transmitted infection treatment and diagnoses. It really depends on the state and what their requirements are. But it's so incredible that you could think about actually bringing care to people where they are as opposed to requiring folks to come into a health center or find one, particularly if they're in an area of the country where that may be difficult. One of my favorite stories from this fall was a woman who was living in the Arctic Circle, which was 500 miles away from the closest health care center, and she was able to Skype with a clinician at Planned Parenthood. And five days later, we drop shipped on a float plane birth control to her there. And the image of that, I think, demonstrates what's possible in the future. Now, as you may know, every single state has different regulations related to online health care. But I believe it's only a matter of time where this is commonplace. And again, extremely exciting for folks who live in rural America, places where there may not be ready access to health care centers. And getting back to politics, do you expect the challenges to women's health services to continue in the coming months? And how do you think this year's election is going to affect the outlook for those services? I absolutely believe that this November, the election is going to be pivotal. It's really going to be a question of whether this country moves forward on the progress we've made in the last eight years of making birth control available to women everywhere, making health services more available, making insurance coverage more commonplace or whether we're going to erase all of that progress and start over again. Unlike any election I've ever seen, the issues of access to basic health care, certainly to birth control and safe and legal abortion, and fundamentally, the ability to access Planned Parenthood. For the two and a half million plus people who come to us every single year, we have a number of candidates who said they want to end all of that. And so I think that this is very much in the mind of our patients. It's in the mind of the general public, certainly young people, young men and women that I talk to all across the country cannot believe that we would even contemplate going back to a day where they didn't have full access to reproductive care. And we intend the Planned Parenthood Action Fund to ensure that all voters are aware of the positions that candidates are taking on these basic health care issues that will make such an enormous difference in not only our lives today, but our future. Thank you, Ms. Richards.